Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk, presented by Kirk Stenge of Stenge Law Firm, PC. Stenge Law Firm is a family law firm in the St. Louis metro area, with offices in Missouri and Illinois. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stenge. Welcome to Family Law Talk. This is Kirk Stenge. Today we have an interesting topic on Family Law Talk. The topic is I want to stay married. And this is based on a blog entry on our blog, FamilyLawHeadquarters.com, dated February 25th, 2015, titled I Don't Want a Divorce. So as a follow-up to the episode today, go to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com and read the blog article on this topic as well. It's definitely definitely an interesting topic and an interesting article, so we're going to get into that here in just a second. But before I do, I will state, as I always do, that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. That the inf- information you obtain today in this episode is general in nature, and it may not apply to specific factual or legal circumstance. Therefore, if you need legal advice, you should definitely consult an attorney who's licensed and competent to practice law in your specific jurisdiction. All right, so on to the topic. Again, the topic is I want to stay married, and this is something that is actually very common in family law cases. I think the belief of many can be that in the context of uh, divorce, that most parties want the divorce. Uh, Most parties are maybe looking to get out of the marriage, end the marriage, and that the process as a result ought to be relatively simple, ought to be relatively easy if both people don't want to be married. The truth of the matter is, in in many cases, uh, there's various uh, degrees of motivations, I think emotions and perspectives. And so there are lots of cases where perhaps one party is looking to get out of the marriage uh, as quick as possible. They want to end it. They want to become divorced, and they want to move on with their life. And then on the other hand of the spectrum, the other spouse maybe has different feelings. You know, maybe they desperately want to save the marriage. Maybe they think it's a completely savable marriage. Uh, maybe uh, they're not on that extreme, uh, but maybe they're, they want to take it a little bit slow. Maybe they'd like to try counseling first. Uh, maybe they think that kind of a trial separation or some time away uh, might be advantageous and that um, ending the marriage might be premature. Um, and, and this can really happen on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, there's lots of cases where maybe the wife wants the, the divorce uh, she's looking to move on, but the husband isn't there. Uh, and, and there's lots of cases where it's the exact opposite, where the husband uh, is ready to move on, uh, the husband wants to end the marriage, and the wife uh, has a different perspective as it relates um, as it relates to the divorce itself. And so, you know, at the end of the day, there can be different perspectives, different viewpoints, and the reality of the situation is that in terms of resolving a divorce case, uh, you obviously have to get over this initial hump in terms of uh, the divorce issue before you can get to property and debt, and before you can get to child custody, child support, uh, spousal support, for example. So parties have to get over uh, this elementary question of, is the divorce even going to take place? And this uh, can really uh, harken back uh, to the you know to a little bit of a history lesson for the listeners, if you will, because I think I think this is important for people to realize. You know, back in the day, uh, historically, if you wanted to get divorced, uh, you really had to prove fault in most states. So, I mean, it could be abandonment, could have been an affair, uh, could have been physical abuse, could be some sort of mental cruelty, 
of some kind, uh, but to get divorced, fault had to be proven of some kind. And so simply not being in love anymore, uh, simply uh, you know maybe uh, uh, kind of falling apart or moving apart, if you will, through a period of time, uh, I mean, that wasn't enough uh, historically. If there wasn't fault, uh, in most states, there wasn't going to be a divorce granted. And so what this led to was a more a fault-based uh, divorce system. Um, and, and the end result of that is, is then, you know, to conclude a divorce case, people really had to air their dirty laundry in an open courtroom. So if there was an affair, there'd have to be a lot of evidence put on about it. You know, if there's some kind of abuse or abandonment, uh, some sort of mental cruelty, there'd have to be uh, evidence put onto that effect. And at the end of the day, what that resulted in, in many instances, uh, at least in the viewpoint of those that were around back then, uh, which I was not, was that it prolonged the proceedings, uh, caused people to air their dirty laundry. In some respects, it almost encouraged fault in order to get divorced. So let's say you weren't in love with your spouse anymore. Uh, but there'd been no marital misconduct. It was like almost an encourager. Well, I better go out and have an affair, uh, because if I don't have an affair, I'm not going to be able to get divorced, right? And so, you know, I think lots of folks on the flip end think that the, you know, the fault-based system was a better system because they, you know, there's some people out there that think divorce is too easy, it's too simple. Uh, people aren't looking to dig in and try to fix uh, their marriage. They're looking to just kind of run once things get tough, and I think that's a bad thing. In a lot of respects, I think you know a lot of folks would share those sentiments and agree uh, with a lot of that because it is true. Some folks probably could save their marriage if they worked a little bit harder at it, uh, but that's not the case in every situation. And at the end of the day, you know, encouraging people to commit uh, marital misconduct of some kind in order to end the marriage, that's not really a good thing for society either. And then it results in the court system being backed up because these uh, hearings are more prolonged because uh, you're getting into this fault issue. So, I mean, this is the way it used to work. Um, now, <clears throat> with no-fault divorces, uh, in most states you don't have to prove fault uh, to get divorced. The fact that the marriage is irretrievably broken and there's no reasonable likelihood that it can be saved in most states, um, uh, you know, the language might vary a little bit by statute, but most states, uh, that's enough uh, to conclude the divorce. But what do you do in the cases where one party says the marriage is irretrievably broken and the other party doesn't agree? You know, the other party says, you know what, uh, the marriage isn't going well. Certainly there's some things that are broken here, but I don't think it's irretrievably broken, and I think it can be saved. You know, what's a court to do with those situations? And And the truth of the matter is they're out there, and they happen a fair amount. And so when, people's, when people jump kind of to the other side, they think, well, you don't have to prove fault anymore, which means divorce is just an automatic thing. The court just has to grant it if one party wants out. In a technical sense, in a practical sense, it's not really true. Um, if one party says the marriage is savable, then the court, at the end of the day, would have to have a hearing and hear evidence and make a determination, is this a savable marriage? Is this not a savable marriage? Uh, obviously, a court in these types of situations has to look at the facts of the situation. So I'll just give you kind of a few things a court would look at in a situation where one party didn't want the divorce. Uh, uh, one of them would be sexual relations. You know, are a husband and wife still engaging in sexual relations, or are they not engaging uh, in sexual relations? 
uh, that's that's a big determiner in a lot of cases. Obviously, if two parties are still engaging in sexual relations uh, through the divorce proceedings or leading up to it, that might be a factor that a judge would look at to say, you know what, maybe this marriage isn't irretrievably broken. Maybe it's broken, but not irretrievably broken. Uh, courts often look at whether or not the parties are separated or not. And again, I know the laws can vary here greatly uh, amongst the states. Um, you know, some courts will take a more rigid approach, which means you have to be physically separated. You can't be living in the same house. And I think that's more based on state law um, in any particular state. Um, uh, but in some cases, simply being emotionally separated could be enough to get a divorce because uh, lots of folks, candidly, marriage isn't working, but they don't have enough money uh, to get a second place uh, in order to separate. And so, I mean, a court will look look at that factor as well. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, this, this is what the courts, uh, in essence, in a broad sense, have to look at in terms of deciding whether or not uh, to uh, grant a divorce in a case where one party wants to save the marriage. Obviously, you know, the, for the folks out there uh, who may have been served divorce papers, maybe they don't want a divorce, maybe they think there's a chance it can be saved, uh, uh, you know, there's certain things in certain circumstances that, you know, might be able to be done. Uh, for individuals in those situations, obviously, um, uh, you know there can be mediation in a lot of cases. So maybe the parties go to mediation. Maybe they could come to some sort of agreement with regard uh, to counseling. Uh, in certain jurisdictions, it might be that motions can be filed to try to get counseling ordered. Again, I think that's a tough road in a lot of places, uh, but that's a possibility. Uh, in certain circumstances, obviously, amongst the attorneys themselves. You know, maybe they can uh, try to facilitate meetings between the parties uh, to see if the marriage might be savable or reconcilable. Uh, and in some instances, that it ends up working itself out. In some cases, the parties decide to go to counseling. They decide to dismiss the divorce uh, and try to save the marriage. In other cases, it doesn't happen. And then again, you get to the situation where any party that wants to contest a divorce, what they have to decide is do they want a hearing where evidence is put on about whether or not the marriage is irretrievably broken or not. Uh, is that something they want to do? Is that something wanna under, they want to undertake? Obviously, I think that's a tough road uh, for a lot of folks out there. Uh, uh, while uh, a party has the ability to contest the divorce itself, it is true in this day and age that if one party desperately wants out of the marriage, it's a rare thing uh, in most instances for a court not to grant the divorce. Uh, but again, in certain circumstances where the parties are acting as husband and wife, uh, maybe they're engaging in sexual relations still, maybe they haven't separated, uh, it is a possibility. Obviously, at the same token, uh, any party who wants to contest a divorce just has to consider, um, you know, the realities of the situation is that, you know, let's say you do a hearing like this, contest a divorce, and let's say you prevail. Uh, maybe you've prevailed at that moment in time, uh, but at the end of the day, there's probably not a whole lot stopping uh, the other spouse from filing the divorce again in the future uh, and trying again. And so, you know, it's hard at the end of the day still to make somebody want to be married to you. And I would just say this, you know, to the folks that want to save the marriage. Again, I'm not, I'm not really a relationship expert. I'm an attorney. Um, so, you know, take this for what it's worth. Uh, take it with a grain of salt. But uh, in seeing lots of these cases through the years, often what can help the cases where there is a chance of reconciliation is some space, uh, maybe some time, 
and, and there is some truth in a lot of instances to the idea that you know absence can make the heart grow fonder. Uh, another good analogy I heard in the past is you know give the other spouse the gift of missing you, and at the end of the day they're either going to miss you or they're not going to miss you. Either the absence makes the heart grow fonder or it doesn't. Um, ultimately, you know the truth of the situation is that if it's a savable marriage, uh, that absence. Uh, that space uh, can often re- uh, result in reconciliation. And if it doesn't, uh, oftentimes there's not a whole lot else that could be done. But uh, definitely an inter- interesting topic, uh, definitely what I wanted to cover because it comes up a lot, situations where one party wants the divorce, one party doesn't want the divorce at all. So it's definitely a worthy topic, uh, one that I thought uh, lots of listeners would enjoy. So. Thanks to the listeners again for tuning in today. Stay tuned for our next episode of Fable Law Talk with Stanley Law from coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.